Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Good morning. It's nice to be here. Thank you. It's nice to be here in uh, Baylife Church. Again, after six years, I thought it was, I literally did think it was only a couple of years, so time flies when you're having fun, I guess. I don't know about, I don't know if you're, uh, if you like sport like me, but um, it's not a good time for Australia's sport right now. It's pretty depressing, especially the cricket. Um, there's one thing I don't like personally is to be beaten by the Poms, and I uh, hope there's no Poms here today. No, you're here, that's right. Well, you're not, re- yeah, there you go. So uh, we're not doing so well in the cricket. We're not, we didn't do well in the rugby. Um, so I'm glad that I can always go back to my Kiwi roots and uh, just remember that uh, I'm still an all-black supporter and uh, gives me hope. <laughs> gives me hope. A traitor, yes, I am. So it's good to be here this morning, and I, I just want to share some thoughts with you from uh, on the subject of a clear conscience. Probably uh, don't hear the subject much preach in church, but I think, I think this is a really important subject. And uh, I think there's some real keys for us in our Christian life to really develop that sense of uh, living right. Um, you know, it's so easy, it is so easy as a Christian to allow either the enemy or self to bring condemnation. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we don't sit here in church this morning with any need to feel condemned, with any need to feel that we're wicked sinners. We're actually saved by God's grace. We walk in God's grace and we have all of his favor. And I want to remind you today that you walk in the favor of God. You have nothing to prove. Uh, you, don't need to des- you don't need to work for his love. You have all his love. I, I have two girls. Uh, my oldest is now nearly 34. And uh, my youngest is third, just gone uh, 31, about to turn 32. Uh, and when my first daughter was born in 1978 in Auckland in New Zealand, I was so ecstatic. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. And I tell you, I was a happy man. I was so excited to be becoming a father. And when Laura was born, I remember she just had all my love. I tell you what, she, she had everything. I just loved her. I adored her. And uh, for two and a half years, as she, until the next one came along, uh, it was an amazing time. But when Marilyn fell pregnant with our second, and uh, when Emma was about to be born, I went through this real dilemma. And I thought to myself, Laura's got all my love. I have nothing left for this next one. And that's how I felt. I felt like Laura had all of my love. But you know what? When Emma was born in 1980 in Gosford Hospital at 8 o'clock on a Monday morning, guess what? Emma had all my love too. And you know, that, that simple little thought and that experience gave me a great understanding of God. That how all of us today, every one of us, every single one of us are God's favorites. Every one of us. God loves us, and he wants only the very best for you. And so 
when you sit here today, just remember that you sit in the Father's love and you sit in His grace. doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you thought. He'll never stop loving you because that's God. He can't stop loving you. And uh, so we just need to realize that we serve an awesome God, a loving God, and we're all champions. And uh, you may not feel like a champion today, but you are. And you need to believe the fact that you are. So let me take you to a scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This is from the New King James translation. And this is how it reads. It says, This charge I commit to you, Timothy, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning their faith, have suffered shipwreck. Let me just leave that scripture up for a bit. That's a really interesting verse. Firstly, Paul says to Timothy, to uh, he charges him. There's a sense of duty. I commit, I charge to commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning that by them you may wage the good warfare. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're in a spiritual warfare. And, uh, and we need to sometimes realize that we do have an enemy. And, and we need to be aware and we need to be alert and we always need to be on our game, unlike the Australian cricketers. We need to be on our game. We need to be aware that we have an enemy. We have something, someone who's trying to take us out. But in verse 19, it says, having faith and a good conscience. Having faith and a good conscience so that we can fight the fight of faith so that we don't finish up shipwrecked. It's not how you start in life, it's how you finish. And we all have a rough start. Many of us come from dysfunctional families. Many of us come from unfortunate backgrounds. Many of us come and then we find Jesus or Jesus finds us. Probably more to the point, Jesus finds us. And we get this great revelation and we have this great start in life. We have a great platform to build our lives. And, you know, you can be as spiritual as you want to be. You, you, it's, it's, it's how you apply yourself to the words, applying discipline. I heard a Gary Player, the great Australia, South African golfer this week, talking about on television, he's talking about dreams. And someone asked him, you're obviously a dreamer. He said, yeah, I dreamt of becoming a champion golfer. I, I dreamt of being a champion, playing great golf and winning on all the continents of the world. But he said it's more than dreaming. It takes more than dreaming. It takes discipline, self-control, and, and, and attendance to detail. And that's true in our Christian life. You know, we can have dreams, and all those dreams are great, but we've got to apply discipline. We've got to, we've got to put the, 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 the time and the effort in. You know, when it comes to marriage, you don't fluke a great marriage. You build it. You know, you've got to build your marriage. You, you know, you've got to work on your relationship. You don't flute great kids. You build them. You put principle into them. And, and there may be for a season, you know, when Laura was born, someone gave me a card. Congratulations on the birth of Laura. And may God give you wisdom when she turns 13. And uh, I never knew how prophetic that was until Laura turned 13. And, and then suddenly all hell broke loose. And, and it was like we really, I had to really work hard on Laura. And really work on her to, to bring us through what was a really rebellious period in her life. 
And, uh, and it was a tough period for me as her father, uh, and it was a tough period for her. But she came out the other side bigger and better and stronger and more resilient and, and able now to help other people. And that's what experience does. You know, tough experiences actually make you position so you can help others. That's what it's about. So when we fight this good warfare of, of, you know, of, of faith, it is a battle. It is a challenge. It is a struggle. And sometimes you feel like quitting. And sometimes you feel like giving up. But we're not called to give up. We're called to fight the fight of faith. So let me give you a definition, the definition of a clear conscience. And it's just as simple as this. The inner freedom of spirit and assurance from knowing that you have a transparency toward everyone. It's a lot to write down, isn't it? That inner freedom of spirit and assurance from knowing that you have a transparency toward everyone. Basically, it's just having a transparency toward everyone, walking in a clear conscience. It's that inner freedom that is so important. So the whole scope of a clear conscience involves God, family, relatives, neighbors, teachers, friends, so on. That's the scope of a clear conscience. And you want to be able to stand before anyone and, and know that you have a right spirit. And it's an essential weapon, I believe, for high successful spiritual achievement to have a clear conscience. Because when you know your life is right, when I met Marilyn in 1972 uh, in Scotland, I wanted her to know everything about my past. I told her everything, every former girlfriend, every former relationship. I wanted her to know absolutely everything. For to me, having a clear conscience was really important. And, uh, you know, sometimes people have accused me of being too open, too honest, and too frank. I don't think you can be too honest. I, I, I think it's important to be open. I think it's important to be, to be honest. Of course, one thing I have learned, as a pastor that is, that you should never speak of the experiences you're going through until you've come out the other side. Because sometimes when I was a younger pastor, I'd speak about some of my challenges, and, and I think it used to throw some people's faith because I thought if the pastor's not making it, what hope have I got? Uh, and it's that whole thing of putting a pastor on a pedestal, which is always dangerous, because uh, the pastor will fall off just like you'll fall off because we're just sheep that became shepherds, but primarily we're still sheep. And we should remind ourselves that we should never elevate anyone higher than we ought because there's only one who's great, and his name is Jesus. He's the perfect one, and that's the one we must keep our eyes on. But I did learn, you know, in the early days of pastoring that sometimes I shared things when I really hadn't really come out the other side, and sometimes it would kind of shake people's face. So I have learned that I only ever talk about things when I've come out the other side of the tunnel, uh, and you never get out of the train in the middle of the tunnel. You ride it through. And so it is spiritually. You've got to ride experience through because it won't take you out. It will make you stronger. And it will give you strength in your life. So there are five things about a, a clear conscience. I want to give you those five this morning. Number one, a sensitive conscience is the mark of a mature Christian. A sensitive conscience is the mark of a mature Christian. Let me read to you from, I think it will come up on the screens, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. There it is. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word 
of righteousness. For he is a babe. <laughs> That's where we got the word from. He's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, that's important, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, as you put into practice, as you work through, otherwise it's just theory. So you can read the Bible, you can read God's Word, and it's just words. The Holy Spirit then makes it alive in us. And it's when we put it into practice and start to live it that we understand the power of it. And so it is when it talks about you exercise, you actually take the Word of God and put it into practice in your life. And you learn to discern both good and evil. And your conscience begins to understand what's right and what's wrong. And you know and you start to learn the language of the Holy Spirit. Because God speaks to us. I believe God's always speaking. We just have to take time to listen to what he's saying. And God's always speaking. God's talking to us. He wants to speak. And my sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. So God wants us to discern his voice, understand the things that he's saying to us. So a sensitive conscience is the mark of a mature Christian. We've got to develop our senses to understand what God is doing. You see, the will of God is not a tightrope. So many Christians get this concept that, well, the will of God is like a tightrope. No, it's, I, I think the will of God is like a paddock. And, and, and it's fence, yes, there's boundaries. But God says, go and enjoy. Just enjoy. So many people say, well, I'm, I'm scared of making a mistake. You know, what do you do? You just run till you get a red light. There's a green light, so just keep going. Enjoy the blessing of God. You know, whatever your hand finds to do, the Bible says, do that with all your might. So, you know, the will of God is about enjoying. And, the, and I think it's the Good News Bible that says, let the, peace, let, the, uh, let the peace of God be the umpire in your life. In other words, it's like the Holy Spirit's like an umpire. In a game of football, you know, the man with the whistle, you always play to the whistle. We were taught that, that weren't we, when we were children growing up. You know, when you're learning football or you're learning sports skills, you play to the whistle. And the Holy Spirit will make us aware when we're not doing what's right. In the meanwhile, we just enjoy what God's given to us. And until we lose our peace, because the peace of God is like an umpire for us, the peace of God that surpasses human understanding. So we've, we, we develop by experience our conscience to understand the things that are right. So it's about maturity. It's about growing. It's about developing. It's about letting God take us. And we'll make some mistakes. Yes, we will. But life is about learning. Life's about moving. Life's about going forward. Life's about taking a hold of what God's given to us and, and realizing that God's got great things. So a sensitive conscience is the mark of a mature Christian, the power to discriminate and to understand. Number two, Paul testifies to the importance of a clear conscience. This is found in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16. Acts 24 and verse 16. And it's going to come up on the screen in a moment. There it is. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Always having, striving to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. I tell you, 
When you live your life from a clear conscience, you can live in freedom. In other words, as a Christian, you know, you pay your bills on time. You do all the things that are right, that are just. They're the things that are important. The things, the way you live, you know, your, your yes is yes, your no is no. The whole way you live your life is according to the will of, the will of God. And you're living your life out of freedom. You're not watching behind your back. You, you, know, you have a clarity about who you are, where you're going, what you're about, and so on. And, and your whole life is free. That's, that's, to me, is the only way to live your life. You know, not everyone's going to like you. You know, you'll upset some people, and, 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 and there's stuff that happens in life that people get upset. And it can happen with neighbors. It can happen in, in work situations. All those kind of things, you know, can create pressure and tension. But we've just got to live our lives right before God and man and, and do our best. And as we do that, I believe God will bless us. So it's, Paul testifies to the importance of a clear conscience. There's another scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. And it says, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. So here Paul is saying that our testimony is that our conscience, we've conducted ourselves in the world with simplicity and with godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. Thank God for the grace of God and thank Him for His wisdom. The Bible says in James, if you lack it, you ask for it, you, re- you get it. You need wisdom in a situation, you can ask God. When it comes to raising your children, God will give you wisdom. When it comes to running a business, God will give you wisdom. You, you've got the advantage. When it comes to pastoring churches, God gives us wisdom. He's got the answers. He helps us. And in all those areas, we can work our lives and live our lives in a way because we have godly wisdom and we're living out of a clear conscience and God's blessing, God's honoring, and that is so important. So Paul testifies to the importance of a clear conscience. Number three, still with me? Paul warned Timothy that next to his faith, a clear conscience was his most essential weapon. Paul warned Timothy that next to his faith, a clear conscience was his most essential weapon. And I read that scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Let me just read it to you again. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So it's important to have, it's a weapon that we can use. And another scripture is in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. And it says this, For the law, having a shadow of, good, of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offered continually year by year, make those who approach perfect for they for then they would not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats 
could take away sins. In other words, it's talking about the Old Testament sacrifice before the coming of Jesus, before the cross of Jesus, what we celebrated today in communion. It was a sacrifice once a year where the priest went into the holiest of holies and he sacrificed for the sins of the people. But it was insufficient. It was incomplete. It didn't take away the sins of the world. It didn't save someone. It was a covering for. Looking forward to the cross, looking forward to redemption, looking forward to Jesus coming when the perfect lamb was sacrificed and once for all, Jesus made the sacrifice for our sins so that we could come to him, confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once for all, when Jesus made the sacrifice on the cross, God was, sac- God was satisfied. The price was paid for sin once and for all. So you and I today, we only have to go to God, confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can walk in freedom. You know, God's got a great forgettery. God's got a great forgettery. The problem is that we don't. And we wrestle so often with past mistakes. People so often wrestle with things they've done wrong. There's not one of us, I wouldn't think, in this room that hasn't made many mistakes. And if we could wind back the clock, and if I, if I could say, well, if I could live my life again, I would do that differently. You know, it, it could be a number of things that you could say, if I could just wind back the clock, I, I've, you know, but hindsight's, you know, is one. The 2020 vision is fantastic. But, you know, we're walking this thing out. And, and that's why I said before, there's no condemnation. You know, we've got to understand that Jesus sacrificed for our sin. And when you confess your sin, you don't have, Lord, forgive me for that. You know what? Immediately, God forgets. The problem is that we either remember or the enemy does. And he comes to plague us with guilt and condemnation. And this is wrong. And you shouldn't have done that. And, oh, if you hadn't have done that. And you know, if you hadn't have done that. And all those things. And your whole life. You can live in your past. You can't. It's pointless. We've got to live in the future. Sure, take the mistakes of the past. Learn from it. But go forward. You know, because God reconciles. And God can restore. And God can bring back to us. And so, you know, even when it comes. Listen, divorce is not an unpardonable sin. You know, for so many years, the church has been so hard on people who, who got divorced. It's like there's no hope or, you know. God forgives. Someone married the wrong person. It's not an unpardonable sin. God can, sure, there's, there's things to unravel. And sure, there's a sense in which we reap what we sow. And there's things and, you know, you've got mixed, you know, families. And there's, there's all sorts of challenges that come with that. But the fact is that God's a gracious God. God's a forgiving God. And we need to realize that, you know, mistakes we've made, yes, we have. But God forgives and God's, God's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So like I said, God's got a great forgettery. And we need to learn to forget. Paul said it, I put behind me the things of the past, and I reach out to my future. And we need to reach into our future, realizing that God has freed us. God's released us. He has set us free with a clear conscience. You can operate with confidence, with confidence strength, and integrity. And you can build your life into your future. The days ahead of you are greater than your past. 
Pastor Brian says all the time, the best is yet to come. If you watch his television program, he says it all the time. The best is yet to come. Why? That's based on that scripture that Jesus said, I've kept the best wine till last. He's kept the best till later. And, 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 and the best days are still your greatest day. I don't care how old you are. Your greatest days are still ahead of you. If you can embrace from your past, learn from your past, yes, learn from the mistakes of the past and learn from the mistakes of others, young people, because you don't live long enough to make them all yourself. Learn from the mistakes of others and embrace them and, and, and go forward in God and see the things that God will do. Number four, Peter explains why a clear conscience is essential in order to share one's faith with others. Peter explains why a clear conscience is essential in order to share one's faith with others. Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, it says, But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. People look at us and think, how can you be so full of hope? It's the Jesus in us. On Friday, I preached at a funeral uh, of a great friend, Phil Ferris, who died uh, driving a bus. If you saw that on the news, you, the bus ran into a building. And, and, uh, and it, was a, it was a sad, sad story. But, you know, his wife got up at the memorial service on Friday and, and without a tear just, just declared Jesus and, and, and talked about her husband and talked about her family. How could someone do that? It's the hope we have in Jesus. You know, that's the only, it's, it's supernatural. Sure, there'll be times when she will grieve in the sadness of the loss of her husband. He was only 61 years of age, uh, way too young to die. But God's, God's ways are not ours, and our days are in His, our days are in his hands. And, and, and God knows. But the confidence that we have, everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you, we have a hope in Jesus with meekness and fear. Having a, verse 16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Because your testimony is always more powerful. You know, your testimony is so strong and, you know, you stand the test of time and, you know, you've probably had situations where people have challenged you and, and said all sorts of things about you. But, you know, deep down, they really admire you. And so often those same people who persecute and test and, and challenge finally come to the point where they realize that God is the only way. Jesus is the only way, the truth, the life. And they come to their own understanding, their own revelation. So that's a really powerful verse. That with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. That's why it's important to live our lives with a clear conscience, with a right spirit, so we can fight the fight of faith, so we can achieve spiritually, we can build our lives, and we can be all that God's called us to be. And the final one, number five, even health and physical appearance are affected by the lack of a clear conscience. Even health and physical appearance are affected by the lack of a clear conscience. Let me read to you from Psalm 32. Verses 1 to 5 from the NIV translation. This is really powerful. This is how it reads. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man 
whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. But when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, when we talk about confession, when we talk about putting things right, we know that we live our lives right with a clear conscience, and it's proven medically that some illness is a direct result of, of, uh, of guilt. They say that there are many people in mental institutions today as a direct result of guilt in their life that they couldn't overcome. And, you know, that's, that's a tragedy. When we can live free in God and we can be the people that God's called us to be, it's a wonderful thing to realize that we are blessed. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. You can live your life right. You can live your life, live your life free. You can live your life in freedom knowing that God has given you eternal life through Jesus. So number one, a sensitive conscience is the mark of a mature Christian. Number two, Paul testifies to the importance of a clear conscience. Number three, Paul warned Timothy that next to his faith, a clear conscience was his most essential weapon. Number four, Paul explains why a clear conscience is essential in order to share one's faith with others. And number five, even health and physical appearance are affected by the lack of a clear conscience. So, you know, we can talk about a clear conscience gives us boldness in witnessing. A clear conscience gives us confidence to make right decisions, to make good choices. Because when you're living free and you're living right and you're seeing clearly and to the pure, all things are pure, then you'll make right decisions, you'll make correct decisions, you'll make good decisions, and it will also give you a power to conquer new temptations because you're living with a clear conscience. So I believe that every one of us today, without exception, God's called us to live overcoming, strong, and powerful lives. And I pray that you'll take the word to heart and live it out in your life and let Jesus be honored and glorified. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, today we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that no quickened word will return to you void. We thank you, Lord, that whatever you've quickened to our spirits, Lord, will bring life to us. And so I pray that today, Lord, your word would gain entrance into our hearts. And Lord, we'll embrace it, take a hold of it, and live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.